Hello, you're listening to episode 11 of 8 Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in 8 Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains serious spoilers for Knives Out, so you should go and watch the movie first before listening, and start with episode 1. How are you doing on this really hot day, Peter? How are you doing on this hot, warm day? I'm 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 warm, you know, but I'm not. I, I've been warmer this year already, so I'm I'm coping. How are you? A uh, little little sweaty. Just just thought I'd war- warm the listeners up to the fact that it's warm. <laughs> Unintentional pun. I'm stupid uh, because you might be able to hear my air conditioner. <laughs> like, because if I if I turn it off to do the recording, I'll die. <laughs> Might have some background sounds. Never mind. Um, yeah, just just deal with it. Jeez, hashtag hostile listening environment. What's going on in my life lately? You ask. Well, um... jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I literally did, but uh, I've had a birthday and. You- important birthday did you did have a a splendid important birthday happy birthday peter yes thank you i am i'm 40 years old and it's supposed to be an important birthday Mm. i would say that i'm taking the number in my stride i i i i I don't care i thought you were gonna say i'm some i'm gonna say i'm taking the piss and i was like yeah 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 you are a bit (laughs) (laughs) I I am taking the piss of being 40 in that <laughs> I am paying it no real attention. I don't feel any different or like uh, I I kind of made peace with the idea many years ago that I I'm probably as grown up as I'm going to get. Mm. And I'm I'm not going to work things out anymore, uh, <laughs> apart from in ways that come entirely naturally, I guess. So, so yeah, nothing, nothing changes. It's just it's just a weird number to think about uh, because you know I remember when my dad turned forty, for example. Oh, like wow. that's a that's a memory I have, and it seems. Uh, now you're um, your your dad is older than you. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and at the time, it felt like I'd like never get there myself. That was impossibly far in the future. I know, and, and honest, honestly, I have been trying for at least a decade now to make sure that you don't reach this age. <laughs> you're um, you're really tenacious. <laughs> no, no matter how hard I try, you just keep going. Listeners. But, uh, Listeners, if you want to, if you want to email Peter some sort of birthday e card, <laughs> you're uh, very late. <laughs> then, then don't do that because I don't really like cards that much. <laughs> like I, they're fine. Like I don't hate getting them, mm. but um, I'm I I regularly forget to send them because they're such a, a kind of minor part of the birthday experience to me that mm. I, I I have to be reminded oh you should send a card because people like that because I uh, I, uh, I I just don't, the last card I sent someone was uh, uh, was my dad for Father's Day and mm. it was a playing card that said um, I am sending you a card <laughs> it said something like uh, hello dad it is Father's Day. Here is a card. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did, I'm sure he must have loved receiving like a handmade card from. <laughs> no, it was. It was I, like um, I know. It was an e card. <laughs> oh god. Oh, uh, just just what I've always wanted, son. A JPEG. <laughs> no, actually, sorry, it wasn't. It was. It was an online card that is printed out and then sent physically but I, <laughs> all right, all right, okay. I had no physical contact with the card yeah um so so i i bought you a birthday card because yeah, and that was I'm... a very uh, very nice one which i've got somewhere and i intend to not lose actually because I, I liked that one a lot <laughs> see because um 
because I, I'm I'm on the other side of the spectrum mm-hmm. in a increasingly disturbing number of ways. <laughs> um, uh, if 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 someone buys me, gets me a card for my birthday, I'm kind of like, oh, and then I end up keeping it forever. So <laughs> I really do need to do a cull on some of these things. Jeez. Um, so I was like, I was like, oh, I'll get a nice birthday card. You know, it's an important birthday because I don't usually get you a card. I don't mm-hmm. think because I know that you're not like massively into them. Mm-hmm. But um, like, OK, so I, I was just like, I will buy a 40th birthday card for a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And wow, all the cards are like 40, eh? The grim specter of death stalks you now. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're like, ah, 40, eh? Now you can achieve none of the goals you have remaining. Death <laughs> is coming for you. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, geez. Maybe try and inject a little cheer into the birthday experience. Um, years old well it's too late now yeah Christ <laughs> I, I think that might have been verbatim one of the ones that Clinton sells <laughs> <laughs> like whoa boy if you know someone's a bit a bit, you know about an upcoming birthday you could fucking destroy them for, with like a, a 22 pound card from Clinton's yeah and like the, it, because I, I don't really feel a particular way about this birthday it it certainly wouldn't would have destroyed me but it also would have been weird because that's really not my vibe with <laughs> yeah. this birthday I'm like that happened it was fun so and also not your vibe in general yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> oh god um so yeah, so so we actually met up in in the real human environment space as people don't do anymore yeah, because yeah. of you know <laughs> the recent unpleasantness. Um, <laughs> mm. um, yes, we went to a, a restaurant like people used to do. Uh, we made them play embarrassing music at you, which I found endlessly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what was? Yeah, it was the end of the night, and the restaurant staff clearly wanted us to leave. So when we started singing "Happy Birthday" to him, uh, they went away and put on uh, a, a children's "Happy Birthday" CD, which, yes. which was "Happy Birthday, Lisa." And <laughs> I've I've never laughed so hard in my life. It was I, good, and uh, I, and I I sort of saw it coming, but I, I, like. <laughs> Uh, after the second happy birthday to you, I realized, <laughs> ah, either the next line is going to be really... what well, Generic. Three, <laughs> there are three ways this can go. Either it's going to be uh, really generic, or it's going to be uh, really spooky, <laughs> or it's going to be really funny. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was... Yeah, happy birthday, Lisa was very, very funny. And it was particularly bad for me because I'd bust a rib like the <laughs> night before and I was in excruciating pain every time I, I took a deep breath. So being in paroxysms of laughter <laughs> while, while just sort of clawing at the table in pain as well, it was very funny. I liked it a lot. It was, it was very funny, yeah. Um, it was... Uh... It, it it was at the end of a day when I'd, I'd done some other uh, birthday things as Ooh. well. Uh, will my, whilst you tell us of them? I will. My parents uh, bought uh, tickets uh, to go and see Back to the Future the musical. Mm. Uh, I uh, would like to go and see Back to the Future the musical. <laughs> It is good. It is worth seeing. Um, I, I think they make some good decisions uh, during it. The the one thing that you, you sort of worry about, I think, going into it is the performances in the film are so kind of iconic and so specific as well to the actors involved mm. that trying to recreate that on stage is really just really difficult um with different actors and will it end up being a sort of pale imitation with that and uh i would say that they mostly kind of uh, sidestep that kind of criticism uh just by first of all the staging just being really impressive in various ways the use of the kind of car props and stuff like that just they that they managed to do a lot of cool and kind of convincing stuff with that 
uh, and the person that plays uh, Doc Brown is is doing uh, it's doing his own version of it. I suppose it's not it, it's not just a impression of uh, Christopher Lloyd. It's just a different version of a eccentric scientist. Uh, and it, it it works for that that performance, and uh, mm. and as as soon as soon as you get over the initial kind of feeling of oh this is this is a bit different to what I expected, mm. then you realize oh, okay it's it's fine. He's doing his own thing. He's doing that quite well, and that's probably better than having a slightly substandard uh, impression of Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, Christopher Lloyd is is. Iconic <laughs> in that role. I mean, he's 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 been dragged back out a few times for that, but I, I think that's probably one of the ones that most most people remember him for. Yeah, uh, and I would say the other person who has a really kind of specific and sort of hard to reproduce performance in that film is uh, Crispin Glover's um, George McFly. Mm. And in that case, uh, I thought the person who did that really was kind of doing an impression of that character, but it was okay because he was doing it really well <laughs> and also looked a lot like him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was uh, it was kind of uncanny, canny that one. It was. Uh, uh, Really impressive, actually. I was I was <laughs> genuinely surprised by it. Oh, I um, um, yeah, I, I could sort of see some of the stuff that they'd probably want to get rid of now that that might have been more acceptable in the eighties. That not Libyan terrorists. I mean, yeah, they uh, uh, they they find a way of <laughs> kind of sidestepping around yeah, that stuff. I'm I'm real curious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. But I'm 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 glad it's uh, been resolved. Yeah, it's it's not that interesting <laughs> in the end. To be uh, to to be perfectly honest, it's mm. not very elaborate, but it's mm. it's plausible enough, I guess. Yeah, it works. Um, and I mean, I guess the last thing to talk about about it is the the music, really. Oh yeah. Um, and I would say it is fine it i the the problem I, I would say the main problem with the show is that the music is merely fine mm. like there's nothing wrong with it yeah uh but it isn't amazing it's just kind of serviceable <laughs> i would say i i don't really remember any of the tunes they they kind of sometimes used uh Tunes from the Back to the Future score as as part of the melodies here and there, and mm. sometimes I thought that worked better than other times. Uh, so I remember those bits, but apart from that, I and apart from when they use uh, stuff like Johnny Be Good and the uh, Huey Lewis songs from yeah from I, as well. I was gonna say I, I I'm, I'm I was real curious whether they kept the Power of Love and all that, but I'm like it, it would feel weird if they didn't. Yeah, they they definitely do, um, and uh, that that's kind of towards the the back end of the film. And uh, there's there's a lot of more original tunes mm. earlier on, and it's it they're fine. They're just the least interesting thing about the whole <laughs> thing. And I and I came out of it thinking, you know, maybe if they'd just done a play. <laughs> with that kind of staging that that would have been uh, pretty fun as well and uh, i would have liked that just a, just as much probably um but uh as often happens when i come out of musicals uh you you do get swept up in just how much fun the um, oh yeah uh, the the cast seem to be having with it as well uh, i don't know how they manage to do this thing that basically every day for <laughs> months and years on end and maintain their enthusiasm uh money <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i don't do a lot of performing sort of stuff but i've mm. done occasional improvisation and i mm. find that it, i 
I, I, when I do that, I have to draw on the fact that I don't really know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, and there's an unpredictability aspect of it. But uh, when you've re- rehearsed something so much that it's almost impossible for it to go wrong, um, <laughs> then it, it, that must kind of... I, I don't know how that feels after doing it like a hundred or two hundred times. I mean, I suppose it, I, I, it's just acting, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, like you know, you've you've got to you've got to. I'm going to say pretend, but that's not the right word. You've got to pretend to bring that energy, but it'll just be there, right? I mean, because it, it's. Uh, I would imagine it's genuinely hard to to pretend to be over flowing with excitement and enthusiasm or something and not feel some of that even if mm. it is your 800th time doing that role <laughs> right um, i mean I, I have been to like uh i did we ever speak about be more chill on this i can't remember um i think i think that all might have happened in a mid-season break or something um I think we might have brought it up once or twice, but I, I don't yeah. remember uh, how much we've talked about. Uh, listeners, go and, go and check out a musical called Be More Chill if you can. It's it's really good. Uh, it's quite a recent one. Very sort of... Uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a... What's a good word for it? Good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is, don't, this don't is, know what you're this going is, for. This is, why, this is why they tune in for us, because of our erudition. Um... Yeah, it's it's very entertaining, and um, I I've been to see it a couple of times, um, and yeah, like you know, sometimes you'll go and they'll put more energy into something in other places. You know, uh, they're just people doing a job, but doing it really, really well. Is it like I think people sort of look down on acting, especially like sort of musical stuff, but it's mm. really, really tough, I would imagine. Yeah, I think that's basically what I'm trying to say, is acting is quite hard, and mm. I, I, I feel like acting the same thing over and over again, like, just so many times, must be one of the harder things. It yeah. feels like it must be to me. Yeah, I've, I've only ever done one acting thing, uh, and... um I, I was also kind of writing it, and I'd reached the point where I, uh, it came to the day to film it, and they were like, "Do you know your lines?" And I was like, um, I, "I don't think I do. I, I wrote, all, I wrote them. I don't know them. Um, <laughs> how, how has this happened?" <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I am glad they enjoyed it. I'm glad you had a nice birthday and everything. Um, did uh, and um, what about you? Do you have you got anything you wanna you wanna bring up? Uh, only a fishbone. Um, uh. <laughs> no, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I I um I guess weirdly a thing I've been doing recently is is streaming me playing Monkey Island One for you, so you can get some sort of sinister point-and-click adventure game fix <laughs> from, <laughs> from watching me hopelessly flounder about trying to figure out what what logics were involved in this 30 years ago. Yeah, you, you have played it before, so it's I not have. quite the pure yeah. experience that I crave. <laughs> yeah, but it, it'll do in a pinch. It's, it's, it's the cut stuff, but it'll do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, um, I, I have played it before, but only the remaster that they mm-hmm. that came out on Xbox like a, 10 years ago or something. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, it's fun. It's fun, but like, I don't always have puzzle brain where you're like ah, i need to combine the albatross and the thing like if the puzzle is give some mints to the man with smelly breath so he doesn't have smelly breath anymore that's that's my that's that's my tier of puzzle Mm. which i I think is actually one of them well i've gone through the whole range of that because when i was uh first playing them when i was about 10 i suppose is when Mm -hmm. i started playing these uh, I remember I had a hint book that just gave me the walkthrough to Secret of Monkey Island, and I'd refer to that quite a lot. And uh, uh, I'd basically follow the walkthrough a lot of the time. And uh, I remember sometimes calling a hint line for Monkey Island Two. That that <laughs> seems to be something God. I did. <laughs> yeah, it was a like press one if you're in part one of the game, and so on, <laughs> the whole tree. 
of hints uh, when wow. I, I rang up. I'm pretty sure that I did that for Monkey Island too. Um, I think I, I'm sure I did it for Fate of Atlantis anyway. Mm. Um, but uh, as I played more and more of the games i kind of got used to how the puzzles work and by by my late teens i'd sort of got used to the idea of okay at least wanting Mm. to try and solve the puzzles myself and i got pretty good at uh, understanding how adventure game puzzles worked or at least lucasarts style ones yeah worked i'm i'm certain we've mentioned before that my that my first um point and click adventure was full throttle and uh i I, I mostly got through that okay, but I needed help with three puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to uh, one of which I just couldn't see the answer to, and the other two, which were just shitty. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of ones in that one. <laughs> real, real big question marks over a couple of those. Yeah, it's nice. I'm, I, you know, it must have been like 25 years when I played it, but I'm not bitter or anything. It's fine. I mean, yeah, okay, okay, Tim Schaefer. Yeah. I, I get that Tim Schaefer, been, I'm atting you. I get she would have been shorter as a child, so that gives you a clue maybe about where you're gonna kick the wall, but how do you know? How much shorter? <laughs> How, it doesn't really help, does it? I kicked that wall three million times. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I suppose we'd better move on to the podcast part of the podcast. Oh, I guess we gotta. So, um, e- um, this is a podcast where we watch a film and we talk about it in little chunks. Um, that's it. That's it. That's that's what we do. Uh, yeah. Sometimes there are bells. We've got bells. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot the bell. He forgot his bell. He forgot his bell. I've lost mine. So right. okay. until until I have the wherewithal to buy another on Amazon. I don't want to buy another because the instant I buy another, I will find the first bell. <laughs> yes. The femtosecond it arrived, the new one arrives, I will find the, find the old one. All right. So both of us might say the word ding instead of <laughs> ringing the bell this week because I've looked around and it's not immediately accessible. I'm, I'm going to give up. I'm not going to pause the recording for this. Listeners, this, this is the degree of consumer professionalism that we bring to you every yeah. single time we record one of these podcasts. Where is it? Where's my one? I must have thrown it. I literally just saw it. I saw it. I can see it. What? I I can see the bell. Hold on. Hold on, listeners. Oh, this is unacceptable. Can't have you having the bell and me not having the bell now. You know what you've done? <laughs> you've made me have to find it. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure, the listeners are th- real thrilled to be tuned in to two grown men looking for bells. We're doing this live. <laughs> uh, he's, he's serious. We're not editing this. <laughs> uh, no, okay, fine. We can swap this time. This time you can be the one that has the bell. Why did I put it there? Why would I put it there? That's that's nowhere near where it should be. <laughs> I must have moved it while dusting. <laughs> I'll find the bell next time. Look, by the time we next record this, I might well have entirely moved house, so who knows where the bell will be at that point. Yeah, I, ho- I hope it's in a box somewhere. <laughs> um. So, oh yeah, so bell rings sometimes. Get used to it. <laughs> now. Yeah. Well, let's let's not talk about the thing, Peter. What, who who wouldn't you like to hear about today? Uh, I would. Uh, I, I'd like to hear about the um uh, the ADR mix technician Ryan Young. It, wow, <laughs> someone someone's been on the wiki. Um, <laughs> um, it's actually a lucky guess, really, because today we're going to be talking about uh, Tony Collette playing Joni Thromby. Look, before I decided to go with a uh, a joke 
uh, response. I was genuinely going to guess that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, look who's been hoisted by their own petard of hubris, as the saying goes. Um, Tony Collette, born 1st November 1972, is an Australian actress, producer, singer, and songwriter. Known for her work in television and independent films, she's received various accolades throughout her career, including a Golden Globe Award and a Primetime Emmy Award, in addition to nominations for an Academy Award, a Tony Award, and two British Academy Film Awards. That's a lot of awards. Her breakthrough role came in the comedy drama Muriel's Wedding, which under a Golden Globe Award nomination and won her the AACTA Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role. I've just realized you're probably supposed to pronounce A-A-C-T-A as acta, aren't you? Ugh. Not actra. There's no R. Hmm. Achieved greater international recognition for her role in the psychological hot thriller film The Sixth Sense, 1999, and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. I've, uh, do you know, I've never seen the, the, the Sixth Sense. I, I just don't feel like there's any point watching it. I know what the twist is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I've only seen it once, so that was before I knew the twist, and so I don't know what the watching it, knowing the twist experience is like. It's probably like watching it the second time, I guess. Mm. Um, Colette's films include diverse genres such as the period comedy Emma, the action thriller Shaft, the period drama The Hours, the romantic drama Japanese Story, the comedies In Her Shoes and The Way Way Back, the horror films Krampus and Hereditary, and of course, the murder mystery film Knives Out. Her Broadway performances include the lead role in The Wild Party, which earned her a Tony Award nomination. In television, she starred in the Showtime comedy drama series United States of Tara, 2008-2011, and the Netflix drama miniseries Unbelievable. Yeah, quite a diverse and interesting career. Yeah. Are you just going... Are these in the order of the IMDb page? No. Okay. Why? Are you... (laughs) Are you, are you, do you think you might have cracked a cracked a code or something? Uh, I was just looking at um, the IMDb page, and on first glance, it just looked suspiciously close to the order that we've been talking about these. I mean, it 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 may, in some way, be the order in which they're casted. In which case, I imagine that yes, actually, it probably would be the order they're listed on IMDb as well. Is it in the credits order? Because that's what they are in. I uh, maybe. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I'll 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 go dig up my notes. Hate you. Oh, I don't have them lying around. Never mind. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um. So, uh, you taking the wind out of my sails a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to go and edit the remaining episodes to make you seem like a schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I might. <laughs> you wonder how, how bitter and vindictive I'm going to feel after we record this episode. Um, so it is time to address any questions you had from the previous episode, Peter. I don't think we had any questions or comments that that no, no sort of like grave issues arose that we had to investigate i feel like we had some unfinished business (laughs) (laughs) so and and where we've got to i i feel like it's time that we uh are both can both make a minor concession (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and leave the whole thing still entirely unresolved. <laughs> so, so f- first of all, I think I think we probably need to explain what we've done, right? <laughs> okay. So, so listeners, as you will aware, sequential podcast and all that. Last episode, we we had a problem with the number of bottles on the table in yes. in front of of ransom and. Uh, Marta, and uh, we 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 both strongly disagreed about whether this could be explained by parallax. Or <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, by the way, as we started watching the new 
segment that we're about to talk about, I suddenly, with horror, realized that the whole thing might be explained by some <laughs> shots we hadn't seen yet. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't, but it did clear one thing up for me, <laughs> which I'll get to. Yeah, but, so basically, we, we went away and made our own diagrams of how the scene works, and I guess I'll have to figure out how to tweet these at the same time as this episode going out. Um, yeah. But, but um, so I, I guess y- your diagram, which uh, it makes sense to me sequentially to go f- first, mm. um, is it, kind of a 3D model of the shots. Yeah, I, I used um, I used Tinkercad to design to design a 3D a 3D version of the thing. Uh, and, and what you're trying to establish with these shots uh, could have dinged that... me there, but you don't have a bell, do you? <laughs> Ah, ding yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What you're trying to establish is that uh, bottles two and three can kind of apparently switch places by kind of parallaxing around each other. Mm. And uh, so you do a shot with uh, a series of shots that kind of shows that that's uh, possible, and I will concede you have done a fairly plausible version <laughs> of that. However, uh, the <laughs> I've n- I've never felt so damned with faint praise. <laughs> <laughs> to walk that back slightly, I still, <laughs> I, I I still think that when you look at the original pictures and how far to the right of the bottle you've labelled three two is in the first shot and then how far to the left of it it is uh when it's apparently parallaxed around is way more than what you've been able to do in your example shot so i would still say that i have a suspicion that the bottles or at least one of the bottles has probably moved and that's what i'm trying to show with my version of the shot do you do you think this is one of those things where I could try and email the continuity editor? <laughs> is this if I if I do that, will I be enriching that person's life or just dragging them down? What do you think? <laughs> They're not gonna know. <laughs> this was like probably the least of their worries. <laughs> oh, um, like like maybe maybe I could at them on Twitter and be like. Could, do you want? Do you want to come on an episode of a podcast and explain yourself? <laughs> uh, the the other thing that I will say is, having continued to watch uh, the the next segment, when where there are a few slightly different angled shots of this, is that I am pretty satisfied now that uh, there is only uh, th- there are only four bottles, and there there's are, not there are four lights. There's not a seven bottle uh, scenario here. I, I, I don't believe that's possible anymore. And the reason for that is in one of the shots in the segment that we're about to talk about, you uh, see for a moment Ransom's sleeve in uh, in the shot uh, going towards Marta. So that kind of establishes that the bottles are closer to Ransom than it, it might appear in, Honestly- in that shot. Honestly, I'm I'm both surprised and pleased that we were so dedicated to the format that neither of us thought of like scanning ahead into the next few minutes to see whether it was just made clearer by another shot. <laughs> we were just like like completely consumed by the microcosm that was episode ten. <laughs> um, but yes, I I will. Um, concede that they might have parallaxed and i think you conceded earlier that a bottle might have moved yes yes it might have been nudged gently by one of the characters mm. so so there they, they we we come to an awkward detente about the whole thing <laughs> um yeah no no i mean I'm, I'm glad that it's it kind of has some sort of resolution because oh boy that's the exciting stuff that the listeners are coming back for surely every single time question mark but um now now i sort of do want to email the continuity editor but i feel like 
that might be the worst email any human being has ever received. Mm. <laughs> Hi. Hi, we're analyzing a film you made uh, three years ago in excruciating detail and have noticed what we believe to be a minor error. Could you comment on it? Yes. What we've done <laughs> is spent approximately half an hour talking about the positions <laughs> of the bottles uh, in, in these two shots. And uh, uh, that is the thing that we would like to focus on rather than anything else that is interesting about this film. Peter, nothing, nothing I have ever said or done has given me such stark cause to rethink my life than <laughs> the last five minutes of this conversation. <laughs> All right. Oh, God, the bottle crisis is resolved. I, I will figure out how to embed those pictures, mostly so the listeners can go, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? <laughs> so, so let's review your answers from the previous episode. I'm glad that ribs healed. Mm. Um, if you are seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer and how done they do it? And I think you're sticking with your, your like, Mar you, you, we've seen that Marta done it, but you think that there might be more to the case. Mm. Which kind of makes sense because you know films films not over. <laughs> and you said, "What happens next?" Uh, there's a phone call. Meg will speak to Marta, and Marta will say that she'll look after you. Uh, the tables have turned from earlier, and as soon as it's clear she's not going to give up the inheritance, Meg will hang up. At this point, Marta goes home and discovers a note that's been left for her. So, how do you feel about all those uh, little revelations? Uh, I feel okay. I think I missed a couple of things, but I think I everything that I said was basically true. Mm, mm, correct, correct. So, um, with that, I, I guess it's time for us to slide in and watch uh, one hour and twenty minutes to one hour and twenty eight minutes of Knives Out. Meg asks if Marta is okay and says nobody knows she's calling and she wanted to say sorry for how everyone was. Now, I don't think I've noticed before that she just says nobody knows that she's uh, calling, mm. uh, and it makes it makes the whole thing kind of more fucked up than it already is. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, when we find out soon what we find out, it, it doesn't make like because I was giving Meg the benefit of the doubt at this point but uh, yeah. but no. <laughs> no she's a she's a thromby through and through just a different flavor mm -hmm. meg asks what marta's going to do and to her i don't want to say to her credit but uh, at least meg seems like she's a bit uncomfortable with doing this mm. but she's definitely not above doing this call yeah. <laughs> Um, Marta asks what she thinks she should do, and Meg says that Marta should do what's right. So um, they're they're all they're very euphemistically dancing around the point here. Yes, Meg says she should give it back because they're his actual family, and that Joni is broke, and that Meg will have to drop out of school. <laughs> and it's it's a nice little um, uh switcheroo thing because uh, you know they've they've all at various kind of points described her as you know part of the family and stuff yeah like that. but but not actual family not actual family yeah. no and uh marta says she'll uh look after her and meg hangs up ominous <laughs> so like immediately as well yeah <laughs> So it's it's a real like a real straight up inversion of um what was going on earlier. You remember where after Harlan's death, um, Walt was basically like, "We've decided that we're going to take care of you." Yeah, and uh, when when the shoe is on the other foot, they cannot take it. Right. Meg turns around and reveals the rest of the thrombies what waiting and watching her. Uh, yeah. Nobody knows she's calling her. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this moment, uh, if we, if anyone in the audience is still a little bit on the fence about whether they're all completely terrible or not, th hmm. this has to be the 
actual kind of yes, actually fuck all of them moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a real good shot as well, where the like, like the camera just kind of turns around to reveal all of the trompies lying in wait. Yeah. Ransom asks if Blanc has found a thing suspicious. Marta mentions the mud, but no prince. He says that Blanc has nothing, and that she should lay low and relax. Hmm. Uh, I guess, in hindsight, uh, it's a very self-serving question as well, as well hmm. since he uh, used that corridor as well, as <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we, um, we cut to Marta in bed, being woken by a sister furiously knocking on the door, asking if they're rich. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marta's sister is a great character. She does. She's not in here much, but she's yeah. very memorable. Uh, Marta has twenty-eight missed calls on her phone. Twenty-eight. <laughs> so that's a big number, Peter. Yeah, everyone's trying to get hold of her. Also, she has a cracked and broken phone mm. because she's less rich than the Thrombies by some mar- strong margin. Mm. Uh. On the director's commentary, uh, R- R- Ryan Johnson comments that her sister's reaction to the news that they're now rich makes him wonder that in a, f- a few years, is Marta just going to be going through exactly what Harlan was going through? <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a difficult thought, isn't it? I mean, like, I, I would love a tremendous amount of money, but uh, I, it would change you, wouldn't it? I mean, like, you could, you couldn't not be changed. I guess the difference is that her family isn't just all kind of born into it. Yeah, yeah. But then but then Harlan wasn't either, so it's kind of like see like what are her kids going to be like, you know what I mean? Mm, right. <laughs> um I I think someone even literally says that at some point in the film like, you know, they all act they all think they're self-made people. They got a million they got million dollar loans from <laughs> from Harlan. Right. Her mother is watching the news from outside their house. The film crew's visible through the window. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, that's a real weird situation to be in. Uh, I've fortunately never been in it, uh, but I could just imagine how strange it must be to have your house on TV with a film crew outside. Um, Do you think when you have to film a film crew, they use some of the film crew to film them? Well, that's just logical, isn't it? I mean, mm. uh, you've got all them cameras lying about. Yeah. Uh, I imagine, actually, you probably can't, because maybe the people with the cam- holding the cameras have to be actors. Uh, it, I know it's it gets very confusing. Uh, people, people get real, re- real keen on that sort of thing being done correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we learned when... Uh, when we found out about the, uh, the 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 end credits of the thing, where uh, they got tw- fined twenty thousand dollars for uh, doing them in slightly the wrong order, <laughs> I think it's less important when it's a non-speaking part. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. One of the reporters outside is Gary Tangay, a uh, local New England talk show host. So he's just doing a cameo. All right. Mm. Back at the Thromby house, Nana is listening to music alone. And no, I don't know what the aria is here. Opera isn't <laughs> really my my whole area. Peter, I've got a game for you. Hmm. What's the aria she's listening to here? I don't know. It's Act One of La Traviata. Um, hmm. Originally, uh, she was just sitting in silence, um, but they added the music in like fairly late in the scene, and it sort of brought the whole thing together the silence was just uh unnerving rather than sad right. um the cd player there is uh, uh bob Doucet, the editor's cd player <laughs> 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 he brought along because it looked nice it's a it's an old and chunky mm. cd player yeah <laughs> i was gonna say oh uh, well, it's so difficult to tell what Harlan would have in his house for anything, because I was like, mm, it doesn't really seem like he'd go for the new technology, does he? I mean, we've seen his bloody CCTV set up. Right. Blanc arrives and apologizes that he's probably the first person to offer her condolences for the loss of her son. 
that definitely feels true. Oh, yeah. They kind of treat her like a piece of meat, like yes. or like an object, like in all the other scenes. Yes. Uh, Blank says, "Age deepens all feelings," which is the title of my favorite Gmilf video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was going to say, is that joke too saucy? <laughs> it's a, it's a little bit off brand for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and listeners, we're 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 allowed one, one sex joke per season, and we've used it on that. <laughs> That's it. It's grateful we can move on. Blank <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> uh, sits down with her and says he wants to talk to her about the night of the party, but that he'll happily wait until she's ready. Hmm. Uh, it's it's difficult to tell if and how much. She does actually care about anything he's he's saying. I feel like she would probably help him, but I don't I don't know whether she considers him also to be a bit of a buffoon, or is she just glad to be noticed, even if she finds his whole shtick a bit tedious? Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I've got here is that. Uh, Cake Allen, not Cake Allen. Cake Allen. Fuck you. It's uh, I mean, it's like a really excellent performance. I mean, mm. we we we've talked about uh, you know, acting fairly recently, but like naively, it looks like she's doing nothing, but right. she is sort of carrying this entire scene where it's just a a one sided conversation between Blank and an elderly woman. Mm. Um. So on the director's commentary, they notice th- they note that uh, she cannot see a thing through those glasses at all. Right. <laughs> it's quite good eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, Peter! Uh, an- another exciting divergence here. We're going to slide into a deleted scene. All right. So I, gu- I guess I guess I'm going to show you the scene and then we'll talk about it because I can't remember how we did it last time, even though it was like some days ago. <laughs> Uh, show me the scene, and then we will talk about it. Right, so uh, Donna and Blunk together in a deleted scene here. So, we see Donna arriving at her and Walt's house and getting the groceries out of her car. It's quite mm. a nice house. It's, uh, um, I'm not sure what style of house that is. I meant to look it up, but forgot. Um, so, I'll just describe it. It's got windows that come out of the roof a little bit, and it's got a black roof. What sort of house is that, listeners? If you know what sort of house has windows in the roof and a black roof, um, write in. Write in to us. Or don't. It's not very important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure you'd much prefer to write in about that whole bottle thing. Yeah, that is important. A man is smoking on the porch and turns around to face her. She reacts with terror, dropping everything. There's, got, there's, um, there's some excellent creepy music stings here. Sort of uh, reaches into his jacket, and I half expected here that we were going to get like a Back to the Future 2 moment where he'd just like pull out some <laughs> documents or something. Mr. McFly! <laughs> <laughs> I've got something for you. <laughs> it's a needlessly threatening letter. <laughs> She gibbers that Walt said that he'll have the money for them and tries to run straight into the arms of Blunk. He calms her down, and the man in the porch is gone. They go inside. Uh, interesting timing here of him arriving. Um, yeah. Mm. That man disappeared quite quickly. He certainly did. I guess you would if suddenly cops. <laughs> Blank explains that Walt might indeed have had a bicycle accident 12 days ago at 3am, and it's possible he was shot in the leg while bicycling, but that's somewhat burying the lead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> so here we get the missing explanation of why Walt is in a cast for the entire film. <laughs> right. Dunn explains that Walt lost lots of money on side investments and has been embezzling from the publishing company to make it all up. Womp womp. Blank explains that Walt is in big trouble, but has to be stopped from making it worse. And where is he now? Oh. Where is, where is Walt now, Peter? Where is he now? 
Well, we know. Yeah, um, we we do. Is it, Ma- is it Martha? Is it Martha's house? We're literally, yeah, we're, yes. yeah, very suspenseful in in context. But I guess you know. Yeah, but I can see why they got rid of this as well. Um, yeah, just pacing wise, and that it it doesn't feel necessary, and also, although clearly fucking up in all kinds of ways, it might have the opposite to the uh, intended effect by making you feel sympathetic towards the thrombies in some way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, this this scene was, was cut basically for pacing because um, they just wanted to be really ramping up into the final act and uh, uh, there is enough suspicion on, on both Joni and Walt like they they didn't need these extra threads in the end yeah you don't need to give them like a cast iron motive for wanting mm. to get the money back or whatever yeah. back at Marta's house her mother shows her a pile of documents that's arrived and says that lawyers have visited big lawyers big lawyers big lawyers <laughs> Marta leaves the house via the back door to find Walt waiting for her. Yeah. Peter, we're going to play that game. Real location or set? Is this, is this a real corridor or a set? Um, I think often when it's like a, an enclosed one, it's, it's a set. So I'm going to go with set. Oh, fuck you, I thought you'd get it wrong. Yes, this is a set. Um, they specifically went out of the way to find those sort of weird lights to make it feel real sci-fi. <laughs> mm. While Walt is talking, Marta notices an unmarked envelope in amongst the things that have arrived today. Mm. Probably, mm. probably no significance to that or anything. Shouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I don't think I noticed this being noticed in this scene because it's, it's so tense with everything else happening. Mm. Yeah. Walt says that Marta should be careful with everything and asks if she's going to renounce the inheritance. She says that it's what Harlan would have wanted, you know, for her to keep the money. And Walt says that is all this scrutiny going to be good for her mother? Oh. <sighs> oh. The, uh, the knives are finally out, listeners. They certainly are. Walt explains that they're not threatening her with this, but if it comes out, then with the family's resources, they can help her. <laughs> and to be clear, it's it's extremely threatening. Yeah. And, uh, like, uh, my first note here is, he seems very threatening here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the way that it's edited and shot definitely mm. plays that up. So you've got the, the, the kind of uh, horn, like ominous horns and string underscoring it as well. And just those quick shots to his kind of stompy cane as yeah well. as it gets closer like the the you you do get like these real tight close-ups on the cane stamping on the ground <laughs> yeah it makes the whole thing feel as threatening as it as it actually is mm. you know and he doesn't he really doesn't understand how he's coming across in this yeah. moment but because of how it's uh, how it's shot here we kind of get a feeling of how Marta is feeling about yeah this absolutely I know. I see. He's he's been a comic character basically up until this point, but now he's sliding into something a lot more sinister. Yeah. Uh, I I think possibly showing up the fact that you know you can be like a funny person, but if you are pushed all the way to the wall, then um, who knows what you might end up doing? Right. Um. And uh, Marta uh, turns to him and says that, that uh, the family's resources are now her resources. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, which is uh, I feel like a a brave thing to do in the moment, and it feels like she is just over the course of the last few things that have happened, she's coming around to this idea of thinking. Uh, well, not only thinking that she, because of what Ransom's got on her now, she has to kind of go for the plan of keeping the money, mm. but also starting to feel like perhaps the family doesn't actually deserve this money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I mean, in terms of convincing her to give up the inheritance, this was not the way to go about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly the wrong move. Yeah. But, um, 
yeah, we kind of get cut off in the middle of the line there, but I, I, I wanted to wrap it up because that's that brings us to the end of this episode, listeners. The end of this episode. It does. Right. So, uh, Peter, uh, you are familiar with the format of this podcast. If you were seeing this for the first time, who do you think is the murderer and how did they done it? Well, I'm going to slightly change my uh, response at this point. Just uh, just a little bit. I don't think I'm going to pin it on someone different now, but I'm going to move from, I think there's more going on to, uh, there's definitely more to this story that we haven't heard yet and is going to add a whole new layer to this, I, is where I am. So I'm going to go with from i think marta did it to who knows at this stage i don't know uh and the reason that i'm changing that is because of this um blank envelope that we've just seen her notice i don't think you get sent a blank envelope by someone and uh i think that's that's a clear indicator of there's more to this story. Someone is up to something here. And of course, uh, the next question, what happens next? Um, so I think that she will have a moment to herself uh, uh, where, uh, where she gets to have a look at what's in that envelope and notices that it is a partial toxicology report uh and i think someone uh, has written a message on it saying something like they they know something they know they, they they know what happened um and so this is going to cause marta to panic and get in touch with ransom again so that they can pay a visit to the toxicology lab all right that that seems likely to me and, and then again... there'll be a car sorry and and then there'll be a car chase i think that we might get that the start of that in the next segment too well bully for you remembering what happens <laughs> in the next part of the film so, Peter, what what are you thinking of this film so far? We're we're very far into it now. Are we, uh, gosh, there's just five more episodes. I think I did that very smoothly. I think I I think <laughs> yeah. I think no one will notice that I'm not very good at maths. Uh. <laughs> Yes, um, I mean, I am. I am still enjoying this film very much. Uh, I would say, of all the parts of the film, this is probably, on balance, my least favorite part. Uh, it's it's good. It's 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 all good. But uh, I, I at at this point, I'm just really keen to get towards the denouement. Oh, fancy words! Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so listeners if you have any questions or comments you can email us at podcast at eight minute movies.co.uk and perhaps one day one of you will do that <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I, I, I don't i don't blame them for not writing in we spent uh almost an hour of the precious seconds of our lives talking about some bottles <laughs> but yeah maybe someone will write in anything can happen you know, yeah. bottles can magically switch places. <laughs> <laughs> if if you like the show, listeners, tell a friend or leave a comment wherever you listen to it, if that's a thing that that service that you listen to it on permits, because that's how we drive hashtag engagement around here. <laughs> I mean, we've looked at the numbers and some people are listening. Yeah, some people are definitely listening to yeah. this. Um, I hope you like it. If yeah, you we do know. like it. Could you tell us that you like it? Because that that makes us happy. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we're really dopamine starved around here. We need yeah. we need some of that. <laughs> we need some of that happy chemical, listeners. <laughs> if if you don't like it, shut your mouth. Just <laughs> <laughs> just walk away. 
if you if you don't like it i mean you are effectively like 30 episodes in at this point why are you still listening (laughs) (laughs) um so peter where can you be found on the internet I can be found under the handle Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird and pie like the irrational number on, for example, Twitter. Mm. And I am Kieran J. Walsh on some services. So All right. All right, listeners. It's it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Don't know why I'm ending it so formally. Good evening. And good evening to you. <laughs> Don't have nightmares. <laughs>